EMS One Academy is the leading way in high-quality, affordable training for EMTs and paramedics nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 150 full-length training courses and 225 hours of EMS continuing education in a robust learning management system. Training is accredited by the Commission on Accreditation of Pre-Hospital Continuing Education. Administrative features include group administration, credential management, custom course creation, assignments, offline training tracking, and more, all customized to meet the needs of the EMS training officers. To schedule a free demo, go to ems1academy.com. Well, this is it. It's the Chris and Kelly Show. I know what he's going to say, but it is the Chris and Kelly Show. We're going to go inside EMS. And with me always is my good friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. You, you get that wrong every week. No, I don't. Every week. No, yes, it's the, no, it's the Kelly and Chris Show. No, whatever you want to say, It's man. the Kelly and Chris you Show. No, you don't, you don't. You're not the boss of me. So, All right. Well, age before beauty. You're right. Well, I mean, that's fine because I think I got age and beauty. <laughs> And let's not have a contest. We can have a contest if you want to see who's prettier. But uh, I don't know that you want those results. But So how was your week? Good? Good week? Getting ready to, for EMS good. week next week? Uh, I'm going to be in beautiful Lake Placid, New York next week for EMS for the kickoff of EMS week. So I'll be at the uh, initial assessment conference in Lake Placid. Great organizers, great bunch of attendees. It's an excellent conference and beautiful scenery. I'm looking forward to it, man. And I got to tell you, man, Lake Placid is beautiful. And uh, growing up in New York, we did have some summer property up there in upstate New York. And, um, you know, I used to have the opportunity to go to Lake Placid, used to have the opportunity to go down to Saratoga, and some of those places that really are picturesque, like it came right out of a Courier and Ives Christmas card. <laughs> you, you, but it was a summer home, so you, you, did you ever see it in the winter? Oh, yeah, we did go up there in the winter. It was awesome. But see, I, I had you pegged, Sebalero, as being, being a, a, a privileged kid. You had a summer home in upstate New York. I don't know that I was a privileged kid. I was just, I mean, we needed some place to hide from the police. Yeah, my summer home was, was the mom would run us away from the house to go hang out at the public pool. Get out from under my skirts! That's right. You know, Kelly, so I thought today one of the things that we would talk about is uh, the skill of how to have an open cup of coffee in the passenger seat while driving hot to a call and it not spilling on you. So I think that that's going to be our topic of discussion today. Yeah, I think it needs to be because, you know, I mean, that's an essential EMS skill that every partner needs to learn uh, for his, you know, for the well-being of his senior partner. You know, when you're a rookie, that's what you got to do. That's, that's an essential stage in your development. Man. Yeah. And I, so. I got to tell you, man, I had a partner. His name was Joe Milam. Joe, if you're out there, I miss your brother. And uh, Joe had the skill of actually doing this. I can, and I, and I would be honest with you, I would try to spill a coffee on him. And, but he <laughs> had this skill. He knew exactly how to hold his arm, that it wouldn't bump anything. And he would just ride those bumps with that cup of coffee like it was, I don't know. I mean, it, I, 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 it was a miracle. It had to have been a miracle. A special paramedic voodoo, yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's well. That's that. You know, that's a central part of your development. Uh, me, I don't drink coffee, so uh, all my all my drinks have lids and or bottle caps. So uh, for me, it's it's how to eat something with sauce. Oh, good one! Uh, Another good one. Without spilling it that's on right. yourself. So while driving uh, hot to a call. 
while driving hot to a call, you know, and you have to be able to lean forward. So it requires a little bit of play in your seat belts, you know, so because I have a pretty impressive crumb catcher. Yeah. So, yeah, that's whatever you want to call that. So, and that's that age before beauty thing, right? The crumb catcher. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to let you introduce the topic. I think we got a really great topic today. And maybe we do need to come up with a show of, of best practices of not keeping, uh, not getting dirty while uh, on duty. But uh, until we develop that show, uh, we got something special for you today. So, I'm going to let you kick it off. Well, in the, in the vein of, of developing as an EMS provider and, and, and finding, your, uh, finding your strengths and, and getting better every day like learning how to drive and, and learning how to be driven with an open cup of coffee without spilling it. We had a note from a listener who asked uh, what he needs to focus on to develop as a, as a new EMS provider. And I kind of like your input on this. We're going to flip the script a little bit. Instead of me, you playing devil's advocate and me dispensing wisdom upon you, I'm going to give you a chance once in a blue moon to dispense a little wisdom upon me. As an EMS manager and a longtime paramedic, what do you think uh, people need to focus on as uh, you're distracting me, man? What's a, did, I, did I blow you out there? I need to get uh, up off the floor. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> as, a, uh, as an EMS manager and a longtime paramedic, uh, how do you think that, that, that goes? What, what's the first goal? Uh, for a brand spanking new EMS provider as far as professional development? What do they most need to work on when they come right out of school? You know, so I think that one of the things that we really have to do when we come out of school is understand something first. We need to remove the concept of having an ego to think we know everything there is to know about EMS. If you know everything there is to know about EMS, raise your hand. And I know that I can't do it, Kelly. I know that you can't do it, even though you probably have your hand in the air right now. I'm waving my hands in the air like I just don't, don't care. care. That's right. You got the lighter too, and you're going back and forth like it's a like That's it's right. a Def Leppard concert. So, but I think that one of the things that we've got to know is that when we come out of school, we don't know everything there is to know about EMS, and we've got to be able to understand that from that standpoint. You know, what's the reason that we went to EMT school? What's the reason we went to paramedic school? And I think we have to hold on to that as our charge as we move forward. The first thing that I would recommend, and, it's gonna, and it may sound corny, but this is going to be the recipe for success. If you follow this, you will be successful in your career. And I'm going to go ahead and patent that. I'm going to patent it right now and tell you that. First thing you need to do is you need to have a vision of who you want to become as a provider. Now, you could have a vision that you want to be mediocre. You want to, you may want to have a vision that says, I'm just working this job until I get on at the fire department. You may have that vision. And we've talked about all this before, Kelly. There's plenty of people to model yourselves after with that vision. But first thing you need to do is you need to have a vision, a personal vision. You know, you go into all these organizations, Kelly, and they have vision statements. And these vision statements are supposed to be the guide that brings the organization to the next level. But when we think about personal development, do we have that vision to say, this is who I want to be as a provider? Now, as we come out of school, we have a little bit of ego. We don't ask the questions that we need to because we don't want to look like we don't know what we're talking about in front of our peers. We, we have the thought that we're supposed to know everything there is to know in EMS, which we don't. But we have to be able to ground ourselves to say, I want to be able to be the best EMS provider possible. I want to be able to deliver the highest quality of patient care. And then set forth to making that happen. 
follow-up question for you, Mr. Spicer. Um, is that something you uh, is that something you ask in your when you do a, a hiring interview? Um, <clears throat> do you ask your potential hiring candidates uh, what their goals are, what what kind of provider they want to be? Find you know, out where they're coming from. Spicy needs a nap, so you probably don't watch Saturday Night Live, huh? When Melissa <laughs> yes, McCur- he does. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, she's she. I think she does a better Spicer than Spicer. Yeah, good point. So. You know, but one of the things that I I do ask those questions. So when people are coming into the organization before they are released into the field, I sit down with them and I talk to them about what their goals are. I talk to them about you know where do they see themselves, what their future holds, and then what I want to do, Kelly, is I want to be able to help them reach those goals because without goals, your the, the time is just going to pass. You know, people will say all the time, "Really, 2016? Where did it go?" Well, it went in 52 weeks, and the reason that it went so fast was because you had nothing to do, you had nothing to grow on, you had nothing to develop over that year's time frame. The people that have monthly goals or quarterly goals or semi-annual goals or annual goals know exactly where the year went. So one of the things that I try to do with the workforce is I try to ask them what their goals are and where do they see themselves in X amount of time. Now, it's my job as their leader, and I know that I'm I'm probably one of those leaders that's unique. I want to help these people reach their goals. It's my job to grow them. It's my job to make them into the very best that they can be. You know, the, these folks come to us with a specific skill set, but I'm the greatest influence over their success or failure. They're the resources that we're hiring into the organization to help us be successful. If I don't know what their goals are, if I don't know what their strengths are, if I don't know what their weaknesses are, how do I polish them to help them make the organization better and to deliver the highest quality of patient care possible? So now we've got a personal vision. So the vision is I want to be able to be the best EMS provider in the world. I want to be the next Kelly Grayson. <laughs> I want to be <laughs> a laudable goal. That's right. But often not attainable. That's right. You know, often imitated, <laughs> never duplicated, right? Um, yeah. But and then after you set those goals, the, the problem is, is now you need to develop plans on how to reach those goals. So one of the things that I would do all the time is in my organization, we gave our employees 90-day evaluations, not the annual evaluations, but 90-day evaluations. And the reason for this is, is I wanted to make sure that the supervisors were paying close attention, that they just weren't paying attention to three weeks before their, uh, you know, their evaluations were due. Secondly, I wanted them to be able to sit in front of their supervisor at least for one hour uncontested every quarter that they could have one-on-one interaction. Two, I wanted to be able to make sure if they were working towards goals, they were achieving them for that quarter. So I knew the goals of the individuals who were in the organization. Now, again, I'm saying that I'm unique as a leader. But one of the things that I want to go ahead and point focus to is if you have a vision and if you have goals to reach your vision, you now have responsibility to make Mm -hmm. those goals come true. So let's go back to the initial question, Kelly. When you said to me, what is it that we need to do to become great EMS providers? First thing I would say is, where's your vision? What are your goals? Then I would examine your strengths and weaknesses. Because Mm -hmm. now when you come out of school, you may have been great at cardiology, you may have been great at respiratory, you may feel challenged when it comes to pediatric. And we have talked about this before. If you know that pediatrics is your weakness and you're just dreading the day you get that pediatric arrest, 
What are you doing to turn that into a strength? If you know that EKG recognition or, or third-degree heart block recognition or, or hemi block, whatever it is, if you know that that's your challenge, what are you doing to make it a strength? And those yeah. are the things that you've got to work on. So when you think about your goals, it's not just goals into your professional development, but it's really goals into how do you develop into the best practitioner possible. You know, that that's the 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 goals and, and the strategic plan for achieving those goals, something Nancy hits on quite often. Uh, uh, she's a big proponent of a, a regular SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But going back to your original assertion that you're unique, <laughs> um, I don't think you're unique, but you certainly are in the minority of EMS managers that I have encountered. And, 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 and that's not a knock against EMS managers, uh, per se. Uh, we don't teach people to lead, uh, effectively. We don't teach people to manage effectively. We're expected to, to have those skills. Uh, and, and it's kind of assumed and that's often not the case. People get promoted quite often because they're clinically superior and they turn their paperwork in on time, but they never taught them how to lead other people. But my question to you is in helping those people develop their personal goals, uh, and their professional goals, it's, it's kind of like raising a kid, you know, you, you, you teach them how to be good providers, good people, uh, good practitioners. Um, but eventually when you raise a child, there comes a time in that child's development where they start to question the parents. They start to re not necessarily rebel, although many of us go through a re rebellious phase, but we start to question the parents and we start to think on our own and not accept blindly what our superiors or our, our mentors tell us. How do you as a manager, overcome that sort of thing. When your providers reach that point uh, of maturation where they start to question things and they start to look extrinsically at their place in the profession and, and are these protocols and policies and procedures we've been following all this time that I've learned to, to adhere to, are they really best practices? Uh, how do you overcome those challenges when it looks like your guys are starting to outgrow your organization? Yeah, and I think that that's really what you want to do. I mean, the, the, really the goal of the organization is you want to be able to develop you know the best right alongside the providers exactly and if i if i as a leader and i'm going to answer your question in twofold if i as a leader am managing the goals of the individuals within the organization i'm going to know when that's happened before they know it's happened mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to say, by the next time that we get to these goal settings, you're going to be in a place where I don't know that you know I can help you or, or we need to find you a different mentor, whatever that is. But secondarily, you want providers who are going to ask and challenge those questions. Now, Indeed. a lot of leaders are going to feel a little bit um, intimidated, intimidated as hell. Exactly. But what <laughs> we've got to be able to do is, is we've got to be able not only to be challenging – but we got to be able to be challenged. Those tough questions that we're asked as leaders, we've got to be able to answer or we've got to be able to find the answers. Mm -hmm. As soon as we start to turn those people away to say, you know what, there's no reason that you need to question this protocol, then what we're saying is you're not important enough to be in this organization. If because I said so only works on toddlers. You know, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but one of the things that I would suggest to you, and remember, let's put this back into context of where we came in from, how do I grow as an EMS provider? Once you start to develop your strengths, you want to continue to develop those strengths. I like to think that I'm very, very strong in my cardiology. I like to think I'm very, very strong in my patient assessment skills. And those are things that it took me a long time to develop. So now as I read references, 
I don't know that I go back to the, you know, the paramedic books. I'm reading primary cardiology books. I'm reading books that the doctors are being taught in school only because I want to have a deeper understanding. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, I think one of the things that made me a good leader, and I don't like talking about myself very much, but one of the things I think... Oh, nonsense! No, really. That made me a good leader <laughs> was I had a, a very, very strong clinical background. Before I became an, uh, in the operations mm-hmm. side, I was an FTO, I was a clinical coordinator, I was a clinical director, and as I picked up my operational acumen, then when I moved into that side, there was nothing that I could that you can BS me on when it came to clinical uh, operation mm-hmm. or when it came to clinical practice. Now, I've worked for operation managers that had zero clinical background. And they had it sucks to work for them, and it really does because you know then the clinical department becomes expendable more than it becomes a resource. So having the opportunity to understand the clinical side of the business and then developing your um, your operational uh, acumen, I think, is a better resource. Now, with that said, one of the things that you want to be able to do and recognize as a leader is if your people are having challenges with specific calls, you want to be able to call them out to say, "Let's go ahead and fix this and turn this into a strength." To go back to your question to say, when they start to question, you need to develop them that they start Mm -hmm. to question. And you need to be receptive when they come to you. Now, when people come to you, they they need to do it with respect as well. I don't understand why I'm having to give this medication in this protocol. All right, let's go ahead and find out. And I don't know that I'm the one to talk to, but let's go ahead and talk to the medical director and let him explain it to you. Mm -hmm. But I I think that, you know, to to your question, Kelly... We've got to develop people who are going to question these things. Otherwise, we're just creating robots. Exactly. And, and you know, my thoughts on the issue are those are the two things that are the hallmarks of a superior organization, that you have medics whose personal goal or, or staff whose personal goal is to outgrow the organization, and you have leaders whose organizational goal is to not be outgrown. Uh, you get to the point where where your medics are, are growing in their skills and their knowledge base, and, and they're starting to question practices, policies, protocols, um, and and that's your impetus for developing better practices, policies, and protocols. And if you're strong enough and confident enough in your skills as a leader and 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 your stability as an organization, you can do those sorts of things. Um, and you can you can grow and advance the organization right along with your with your employees because. If you've nurtured that kind of behavior, if you've nurtured that kind of attitude, chances are you have a stable workforce, people that have been with you for a while, people that you you know and, and trust, uh, and you can take those sorts of chances with. You can, you can extend that greater degree of trust to them because uh, you know them inside and out. On the other hand, if you're one of those people that, that whose managerial philosophy is uh, uh, because I said so, uh, you tend to have a, a transient workforce that stays with you for a couple, three years, and you never can trust them. Right. A lot of EMS managers don't grasp that fact our people are idiots and i can't trust them to do more than that well that's because a you hire idiots and b you don't encourage them to be anything more than idiots um idiots may be a strong word but but you get what i'm saying here. yeah um, and let me ask you a question here kelly so yeah i want to go ahead and turn the tables on you to say you know we, we talked about personal vision we talked mm-hmm. about goals you as a provider do you set annual goals for yourself for your own professional development 
So if, yeah. if let's go ahead and if you wouldn't mind sharing it. So whether it was the beginning of the year, wherever you are, can you pull out just a couple goals that you said by the end of 2017, I want to be able to attain this professionally? Not specifically uh, a time frame to do it in, but I'll give you an example. You know, at, at at my agency, quite frequently, I'll, you know, I'll, newer medics will, will bring, and, and my peers, people have been in it as long as I have, will bring 12 leads and EKG strips to me and say, what do you think about this? You know, cause I'm, uh, I'm considered, I guess, well-versed in cardiology and I consider myself fairly well-versed in cardiology. But when I browse on over to Tom Boothelay's blog and I listen to, I, I listen to uh, read Tom and, and Chris Watford and, and some of the other guys that are posting on that blog. Uh, I feel just a wee bit intimidated because it's obvious their knowledge of cardiology, 12 lead interpretation, and, and in general outstrips my own. I don't like feeling intimidated knowledge-wise by anyone. <laughs> so one of my goals was to increase my knowledge. No of, joke. Of, yeah, no joke. Of, no, I don't like to feel legitimately intimidated by anyone, you know, and, and, and have to tell myself this guy knows a heck of a lot more than I do. Personally, uh, I'm making a mission to learn more so that I don't have to just nod and smile and not understand what the heck they're talking about a lot of times or have to furiously Google something when they mention a, a concept uh, that I'm unfamiliar with. And, and I'm getting better at that. I'm still no... Uh, I'm still no EKG Yoda like Tom is, but uh, I'm getting to the point where where I can I can read the comment section on his blog and, and listen to these people take uh, compare notes and, and make their uh, their debates uh, and and be at least a little better versed in the uh, in the conversation, and able to understand and even glean more information from it. So uh, that's been one of my goals: get better at cardiology than I am. I thought I was adequate uh, uh, and even good in some situations, but um, I'm certainly not uh, an, an EKG master, uh, and and I'd like to be one day. Uh, there's just so darn yeah, many goals to attain. You know, yeah. it's it's problem is there are so many new goals to attain. You know, if you're actually self-aware and and self-critical and honest with yourself, uh, there are never a shortage of things you can get better at. And and there's only 24 hours in a day to achieve those goals. So, you know, you kind of hunt and peck it, at it and uh, uh, chip away at some of them and get better at some and, and leave others on the back burner until they become a priority. Right. Uh, and, and that's the way you go through. You know, I think that's one of the things – a couple points here because I don't want them to be overshadowed. I think that they're very important. One was Tom Boothelay wasn't Tom Boothelay when he first started out. And cardiology comes easy to some people and trauma comes easy to some people. And, you know, it's great that he's there because we have people in our career field that if we have some major challenges, they're really the authorities. I mean, I remember talking with Tim Phelan about, uh, you know, 12 lead. He was oh, yeah. he was the guy to go to when the 12 leads were coming out in a career field. You know, he was teaching, you know, that 12 lead to a lot of the organizations you know as they were going around so but and so the point i want to make there is you can become just as great as those names by taking time to study and and, and understand that passion of what you want to have or what you want to become or who you want to be known for but you said something i thought was very interesting where you said i don't like going to a a, a blog and and being intimidated by somebody else's knowledge and I think that that's a personal feeling that, you know, you have to be able to cope with and deal with. But sometimes it's that, and I'm glad that you brought it up, Kelly, because sometimes it's that intimidation that shies us away from wanting to learn more, more than makes us want to exactly. become better. And I think we've got to... Don't, 
Yeah, don't don't avoid the thing that intimidates you. Keep coming back to it until it no longer intimidates you. That's the key. Sorry, I had to interrupt. No, but I think you're absolutely right, and I'm glad that you jumped on that. But the, the point that I think we need to make here is that you need to have a personal vision. You need to set goals to reach the vision. You need to have plans to reach your goals. And you need to not be intimidated by the things that you're going to call as a weakness. And I challenge you out there, the people who are out there listening to this show, if you've not set goals for yourself, for your professional development this year, we're getting ready. We're in, we're in the, the start of the second quarter. It's going to end in June. July is going to start the third quarter. Set a goal for yourself for that third quarter and, and make that work out for you before you get to the end of the year. If you're weak in cardiology, find a mentor, read a book, um, check out the blogs, and try to find a strength or try to find a topic that you can turn into a strength. If you could pick two, pick two. But remember, for you to be the very best that you can be, you've got to make the effort. If you're looking for the next big success... In the same everyday habits, you're not going to find it. Because if it was there, you would have already found it. You've got to get outside your comfort zone. And to get something you've never gotten, you've got to do something you've never done. So the people who write in and they say, "What what do we do to become the best practitioner? You've got to work at it. Just like you worked in EMT school, just like you worked in paramedic school, your career isn't and it shouldn't be goal oriented your career should be growth oriented this is a journey you should learn every single day you should learn every single month you should learn something every single time you touch a patient and you've got to challenge yourself to do that so i really enjoyed this opportunity to talk about you know developing yourself but i challenge the people who are out there and send us the goals that you're picking for yourself so we can help you stay accountable to those goals mm-hmm. so but kelly i think this was a really great topic to talk about yeah uh, and and i do as well and i'll end this on with my thoughts on the subject and since this is role reversal day i'm going to speak like an ems manager uh two other ems managers and, and leaders out there i've been in that role i've been the manager i have been the managed and and currently am um that the kind of professional development we're talking about is not an easy path it's not an easy path to follow it's not an easy path to blaze uh if you're a manager um it's messy growth is messy uh it it uh, there is strife there's conflict uh, there's all sorts of organizational barriers that get thrown in the way when people are learning. Uh, learning is, is not an easy process to go through. Uh, and I think many managers tend to follow uh, the path of least resistance. Uh, they, they focus on what's going to make their job easier and smoother. Let's get the billing taken care of. Let's get the paperwork and the administrative minutia taken care of and all those kind of things. And, and as long as those things are, are, are running smoothly, um, they're copacetic, uh, but that's not necessarily what's helping your people develop. So you have to be able to embrace those, those, uh, growing pains, uh, and recognize them for what they are and, and and don't be intimidated by those things, by contentious employees who, who are questioning your, your leadership and your management skills or, or questioning the, the validity of, of the policies that you have to enforce. Um, that's, that's part of the natural growth of an EMS provider. Don't look at it as, as a, uh, uh, a challenge look at it as an opportunity to uh to help yourself grow and your your uh in your subordinates grow so but that's what i think and we know what chris thinks we'd like to hear what you think uh email us with your comments concerns questions and suggestions to the show at ems1.com 
Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.